Welcome to PA Centered, a podcast designed to help listeners be a part of the solution to end sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Each episode, we will take on a topic or current event to help spark conversation and break down barriers to building communities free from sexual violence. I'm Jackie Strom. I use she and her pronouns, and I am the Prevention and Resource Coordinator at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. I'll be your host today as we're joined by Gina from Consent Culture Initiative to learn about how they empower folks to create cultures of consent, respect, and accountability. Gina McGrath is the CEO and founder of Consent Culture Initiative. They are an event producer, survivor, and flow arts educator turned consent culture propagator advocate, and philosopher. Gina has been working to create safer spaces for over a decade, but has been focused on creating cultures of consent all over the country and world through grassroots and social media reach. They do this by assisting communities to become safer, braver spaces for survivors of sexual violence with a special focus on preventing harm through community action via education, consultation, and harm doer support. Gina has personal, secondhand, and thirdhand experience of gendered violence and is pursuing a master's in social work to better understand how to respond to gendered violence in addition to how to prevent it from happening from a sociological perspective. Welcome, Gina. Hey, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited for you to be here. Um, And to get us started, can you first tell us how the Consent Culture Initiative got started? Yeah, for sure. Um, So we started as a grassroots organization in 2015 inside of the National Fire Spinning and Flow Arts community. Um, It's not a huge community, but it's sizable for, you know, a subculture. Um, And when we started, we began solely as a report intake system. Um, We've become a lot more passionate about preventing harm uh, than responding to it in the past four years due to patterns we witnessed in those subcultures um, and our desire to stop harm before it happens. Um, While we form strictly as a volunteer run initiative as a branch of a national festival production company, the output became nearly constant immediately. Um, For that reason, we ended up separating a few years ago from them legally for a variety of reasons, including um, the obvious action bias that became a concern and a priority for some of the people producing events, um, which is, you know, right in alignment with the profits over people mentality. Um, We had a couple of events directly ignore our best practice suggestions and recommendations, which was directly harmful to survivors, unfortunately. Um, And we wanted to expand our clientele pool because a lot of people expressed desire to work with us, but we were kind of completely occupied with working this national festival company. Um, And then, you know, the largest point is the tremendous impact this work has on the people doing it compared with the lack of compensation we were receiving. Um, To take care of ourselves, we need to be compensated. This work is costly, both emotionally and physically, especially when we're traveling. And um, we needed to make sure that we can create this as sustainable for everybody. Another aspect to our creation is what happened to me the year that we formed. Um, Trigger warning, everyone. 
Um, so this festival production company that we formed for is a company that I've been working with for about a decade, being a workshop coordinator, a general manager, I've filled many uh, volunteer organizational positions in that. Um, so I was deeply ingrained in that community, knew a lot of people by name uh, due to the roles that I held. And the last time that I was raped, I was working as a safety manager for a fire performance production company at a 30,000 person festival. Um, and the person who assaulted me was someone who is inside of the flow arts community, peripherally connected with that community that was there and directly connected with the larger fire spinning community in the country. They leveraged a series of power dynamics in the process of lulling me into a sense of safety. Um, including but not limited to referent, expert, and connection power, which we could go into if you would like to. But, uh, you know, essentially, that means that this person leveraged their community membership and knowledge, as well as their skill caliber and shared interests to create a sense of safety, um, which resulted in me being in a private space with them. And as a person who's neurodivergent, I sometimes miss these more subtle cues that people are laying down that, you know, some people might pick up, but I missed that and it resulted in my assault. Um, and unfortunately, when I went to the majority shareholder of that production company, I found out that there was no way to report this assault. And I later found out that this person has numerous criminal convictions of gendered violence and physical assault. He's hospitalized numerous people. Um, so it felt very urgent to me to ensure that this person is not allowed access to our community, which is full of survivors. Um, you know, the imagery of like the phoenix rising from the ashes and the empowerment you feel when you're capable of wielding such a dangerous and powerful element is um, really healing for survivors. So it's basically sitting ducks for a person like that. Um, which is why I created Consent Culture Initiative to facilitate a report intake system that was more separated from the organization. Um, and I was very much encouraged by that person, uh, which is fantastic because they, again, were the majority shareholder of that production company, which meant that I had support from the top. I cannot overstate how important it is that people from the top support survivors doing this work and not just support, but encourage them for so many reasons. Uh, you know, obviously the first is that we've been there. So we intrinsically know how these things should be handled and how not to cause harm. And I'm not saying that we're perfect. Survivors are not perfect. And we need to remove that thought from our heads, but we can do our best. And oftentimes our best is better than someone who has been taught how to respond to this. Another reason is because there are a lot of financial, social, racial, and political barriers to gaining education that can equip non-survivors to handle these kinds of things. Uh, you know, like to be educated on something like that takes a lot of school and um, not everybody who should be doing this work has access to it. Also, we're invested in this work and sensitive to the changing landscape and nuances that exist inside of it. And my favorite and the one that I really lean into is, uh, you know, by doing this work, we help remove this stereotype that survivors are weak, helpless people who are just 
waiting to be predated upon because that's not true um, in any way. Every survivor I have met is like the strongest person I've ever known. Gina, thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us. And I think it really demonstrates why the work that you're doing is even more important to you and, and shows that survivors really do have a place in this movement to, to make sure that we're creating those spaces that are necessary and as safe as possible. Thank you. For folks who are unfamiliar, can you tell us about what kinds of services the Consent Culture Initiative offers? I certainly can. Um, we have a series of services that have, you know, developed over the years with various bodies of feedback and reviews and our observations inside of this community. Some of them are more along the lines of administrative sides of things. So we have policies and protocols for anyone gathering people in a space together. Um, because if you're gathering people in a space together, you should have a sexual violence and harassment policy and protocol in place. Creating your own consent committee, which is an in-person thing, but it requires a lot of computer work, administrative work. Um, we also offer educational courses on empowerment, empathy, consent practice, communication, peer support, boundaries, active listening, and more. Our training bodies are targeted towards companies, management, and staff members, as well as communities and safety professionals like medical personnel, security personnel, um, anybody who is in charge of keeping people safe and potentially responding to sexual violence. And in addition to those sorts of things, we offer a list match report, which is essentially an opportunity for anyone who gathers people to send us their list of people who will be working the event. We hope to expand this to attending as well, um, but we do not have the manpower to facilitate that, unfortunately. So right now it's for staff members, but you can send us your list of staff members and we will check your list against our list of people. And by list, I mean people who we have had reports on who are implicated as harm doers um, to ensure that you are not providing a platform for potential predators to abuse or gain access to potential survivors. We also offer solution-oriented transformative justice process facilitation with survivors and harm doers upon their request. Um, this is not something that we push, though it is firmly inside of our theorem and ideology. Uh, this is entirely survivor-led, so it's not something that we really promote, but are happy to facilitate. One of our favorite things to do is our forums and panel discussions, um, as that has been the most impactful from what we have seen as far as creating consent culture inside of a community. Um, and what that looks like is we, we can do a forum or a panel. And a forum is a community-based discussion in which the attending audience also participates in the conversation. Uh, that is our favorite because everyone needs to be involved in this conversation. Um, and we offer panel discussions, which is similar. We do take questions from the crowd, but the panel is who answers them, which is generally members of the community, experts in their field, etc. Um, like I said, that is one of our favorites because it has been the most impactful as far as creating consent culture. In addition to that, we offer a pillar programming service, which is a CCI trained on-site 
roaming personnel for festivals and multi-day events to act as an intermediary for security, medical, and the sexual violence response team, which should totally be there if it's not. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, feel like that should be, you know, mentioned because what we do is not a sexual violence response. We fully encourage this and we believe that this is a necessary thing just as much as a medical or a security outfit is. Um, however, we are not capable of doing something like that right now. Um, and then finally, you can wrap all of these things together to have us come to your festival, which is not something that we promote because we have our hands full and really like to remain accessible to people who are not at festivals. But if you would like for us to join you, you are welcome to reach out and we can talk about that on a case by case basis. Awesome. This is, it's such a comprehensive list of services, but all of them, I can see how they can do so much good um, and have such a huge impact. So I'm excited that folks are learning more about the work that you're able to offer. I'm excited too. We've been working really hard and uh, we're such a small team. Uh, you know, honestly, I've done most of our social media, so it's um, a challenge to get this information out there for sure. So I know that one of the things you're passionate about, and that is also a key factor in this work, is moving away from a carceral mindset. So could you talk more about what you mean by that? I would love to. Okay, so there are a lot of reasons why we are focused on moving away from a carceral mindset. And admittedly, this is not how we started. When we started our report intake system, we were fully replicating the trauma that occurs inside of the carceral system, 100%. I have to be honest about this. And, you know, we have done a lot of learning and reading and uh, introspection to understand that it is not helpful at all. And not just that we have examples on examples on examples of people being afraid of being brought into accountability. Um, which is honestly the top reason why we're moving away from the carceral mindset. Um, because we have seen over and over again that people are less likely to accept accountability for the harm that they've done when there's a puni punitive structure in place. AKA, if they know they're going to be canceled, if they admit to hurting someone, even if it was on accident, they will deny it. And that does not support survivors. We want survivors to be validated in their experience. Um, another reason is because we need to come back to the humanity of engaging one another versus what's illegal. What matters is someone is hurt because of actions you committed, and we shouldn't need a law to enforce or explain that. I think we're all adults here, and we know what is right and wrong. And, you know, that is not to say that some people who are neurodivergent might not perceive right and wrong similarly. You know, everybody has their own perspective. But if someone is saying you hurt them, you don't get to tell them that you didn't. Another reason is it builds people's resilience in holding complex truths, which will increase people's ability to hold others and be held accountable as the possibility that good people can do harm to others at times becomes more real through experience. Um, you know, like 
I said, when we first started this, we were very much punitively minded and structured. And it was through experience and feedback and witnessing this happen over and over again that it became more real and we really got the picture. And another reason is being capable of tear and repair within a community actually builds the community and strengthens the community and brings more people into the fold, which is great in my opinion. Um, It helps you hold your friends accountable without feeling like you're betraying every survivor, which I see happen a lot um, with cancel culture and these kinds of things. Um, And, you know, my opinion is that hurt people hurt people and they deserve support as well. Um, You know, that's not to say that some people aren't able to be rehabilitated, but I believe that almost everyone is able to be rehabilitated with enough effort and support and resources. The final reason, I'm gonna stand on my soapbox a little bit, um, cancel culture is very much acting like cops to one another and with each other. And I know that we're all not into that. Um, So I'm here to say that supporting cancel culture is very much a social prison. And it is not a clear path to redemption, but to dehumanization and isolation. And we know through science and research that these kinds of things don't actually decrease recidivism at all. Um, You know, there might be some outlier circumstances, but like majoritively that's not the case. And I want to say that the experience of incarcerated people is in no way comparable to a person losing their job or their community or their social platform by being canceled online. Incarceration is traumatic for everyone involved and causes irreparable damage that we have yet to answer for as a country. And cancel culture is like social prison. Um, I do believe that cancel culture has a place in society, but it is limited. And I believe we would see greater benefits if we called people in and provided them opportunities for redemption and resolution. And if you would like to learn more about calling people in, you can read the book, Calling In the Calling Out Culture, Detoxifying or Detoxing Our Movement by Loretta J. Ross. Can we link that? We can absolutely link that. And if folks are interested in hearing Loretta on our podcast, you can actually go back to episode two and take a listen. Well, that's just wonderful. I love that for us. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, you know, ultimately we gain nothing from viewing each other as disposable and everything in seeing each other as whole human beings with dignity who are worthy of respect and support. Um, And if you would like to learn more about supporting harm doers, because I know that this is kind of a hot topic, Um, You should go listen to Adrienne Marie Brown's series on supporting harm doers with accountability. You can find it on YouTube. It is amazing. I listen to it quarterly. It's just gold. That's great. Those are great resources and we'll make sure to link to them. And I'm so glad you're bringing this up because we often, or I guess I should say more recently, we have been trying to talk about that idea that like, nobody is truly good or bad. It's just like, we need to focus on their behaviors and actions as good or bad and like give people the opportunity to take accountability, make amends and rehabilitate themselves 
Um, so I'm just, I, I love this shift that we're talking about in our movement um, and thank you for emphasizing it and bringing it to our listeners because I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast yet. Of course, uh, I'm super happy to talk about it. And, you know, I feel like this shift in the work that we're doing is similar to the shift we're seeing all over the world and particularly in America um, right now, you know, people are really wanting to come back to the humanity of one another and stand for each other's dignity and safety. And, um, you know, I really believe that moving away from a carceral mindset is fantastic for creating consent culture, but it's also fantastic for the workplace. It's also fantastic for your interpersonal dynamics and your personal dynamic. Like, how do you talk to yourself? Um, and how do you expect things from, there's just so many layers that we can apply this theory to, and I encourage everybody to do so. So you previously shared with me that you're working on a new project where people can volunteer. So can you share a bit about the chapter-based system you're launching? Yeah, for sure. We're super excited about this actually, because, um, we believe through, pondering and experiencing that in order for consent culture to really happen, we need to break it up and make it very granular and um, regionally based. So we are getting ready to launch a chapter-based system, which will look like you being, you being whoever applies, um, you would be a trained personnel as a peer support person. Um, you would get free and discounted access to all of our education bodies. Uh, you would be submitted into a hiring pool for CCI pillar hiring, which I will talk a little bit about later. That will include the ability to attend events and act as a safe space um, for attendees and be a connection for that organization or space with consent culture initiative. Um, you would gain free peer support and active listening education, among other things. Um, and you can include those trainings on your professional resume, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of people who do HR are taking consent education courses because these kinds of things are really important to integrate into your workplace. And particularly HR people should be intimately involved in this conversation um, because harm happens everywhere, um, including your workplace. <laughs> the other aspect of the chapter-based system is again, that they will be regionally situated. And the reason why we want it to be regionally situated is because we recognize that we don't understand the social and cultural geographic political aspects of each area. You know, um, we all live in different cities, we all being the team of CCI. And even though we're all in kind of the um, DMV area, like the northeastern portion of the country, our cities and the culture there vary radically. Um, and so we want to ensure that needs are being met appropriately and in a reasonable time frame. And to do that, we need to mitigate the amount of time it takes for us to understand culture, um, you know, and by doing that, we will more effectively serve the people that are in that area. Um, 
This also increases our ability to provide community support for basic needs, um, which decreases risk, risk factors. Um, that being like housing, transportation, food, childcare, a shower, a meal, these kinds of things when they aren't meant are survival needs and people will do whatever they have to do to meet those needs, including, but not limited to, put themselves in unsafe spaces. Very much like myself, the last time I was assaulted because I had lost, I lost my sleeping arrangement. I forgot to mention that part. I'd forgotten to, forgotten to bring my own tent in the way of I was promised a sleeping space and then lost that sleeping space. Um, so, you know, that's a perfect example of how these kinds of like seemingly nondescript and unimportant things outside of, you know, the usual can be tremendously involved and in whether or not a person is capable of avoiding harm. Um, so having these regional situations is fantastic because it means that there are more people on the ground that can offer a couch or a ride. Um, it also means that we can get what we're doing into more spaces. Um, you know, like I said, we're a really small team. We don't do a ton of promoting at, at least for our products and services. And that is intentional. The reason we do that is because um, we aren't, we believe that what's meant for us will come to us. And we also believe that we have seen people insulate themselves through engaging our services and products in the past. So we want to avoid pushing too hard to get people to engage in the work that we're doing because we would like to avoid people insulating themselves from the harms they've committed through engaging the work that we're doing. Um, that's obviously not to say that everybody who engages the work we're doing is insulating themselves, but we have seen that before and it is why we don't push super hard. However, people who live in an area who have venues they go to should be reaching out to these people. These are the people who are facilitating spaces that you are in attendance to. This directly impacts you. You should feel more, more than empowered to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm a chapter member for this thing. I can help create this safe space as safer. Would you like that? And hopefully they say yes. And if they don't, you can reach out to us and we can go from there. And finally, this kind of thing, the chapter-based system will operate hand in hand with regional consent committees um, who will intake reports and assist in supporting survivors and harm doers. Um, so, you know, being a chapter member is a way of being involved in doing this work and creating safer spaces without having to take the emotional labor on of directly responding to reports and supporting survivors or harm doers in this work, you act as more of like a net to bring them into our network so that they can find that safety and resource they need. That's very cool. And I love that it's bringing more people into this work who maybe aren't like typically thinking about creating a consent space, right? Like folks who are just going to these venues and who are like, I want to make sure that this is a safe place for everybody that's there, even if it's not like their full-time job. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I said, you will receive a peer support training, which was developed by um, one of our founding members who is an LCSW. Um, so it's a very legit training on how to support your peers 
in difficult times and how to be aware of how you are able to support people, if at all. And so if for no other reason, you should get in there so that you can gain that knowledge because it really does help. Um, That's been one of our best received bodies of training. So to wrap us up, um, if people are interested in your services, how should they reach out to you? Um, Generally, you can reach out to us via email. But to be a little more specific, if you want to hire or book us or reach out about consultation or anything like that, you should definitely contact us via email. Um, Our Instagram and Facebook are also available, but those are not confidential platforms. So um, I would not encourage you to send any kind of sensitive information over that. Um, Our email is HIPAA compliant, so you're welcome to share whatever you'd like in there. Um, I will say that in the process of hiring and booking that we make ethical considerations regarding COVID-19 and the safety of our staff at all times. Almost all of our services can be delivered digitally obviously outside of our on-site personnel. Additionally, we are selective about who we work with. As stated prior, we have had experiences in the past of harm doers insulating themselves through engaging in our work. So we are selective about who we work with, but we hope that you'll give us the chance. And if you would like to reach out about being a chapter member, you can actually go to our website and fill out the CAT application. CAT stands for Consent Action Team. Um, on our website and it's embedded. So you just go to our website and look for the join our consent team tab and you'll find it there. That's awesome. We'll make sure to link to all the ways that folks can follow you, reach out to you and get involved. So Gina, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the work happening at Consent Culture Initiative. I I learned a lot and I'm so excited for other people to, to know about your services and you know, hear about the kind of change that you are making in spaces. Thank you so much. I really am just so grateful to be here. And I hope that um, some of what I said resonated with those of you who are listening. And if you would like to ask any questions about what we talked about, um, I'm always available. You're welcome to reach out via Instagram or Facebook. Um, And I will get back to you as soon as possible. I love talking about this stuff. So I'm always happy to do it. Well, that's all the time we have today, but thank you everyone for listening to this episode of PA Centered. You can learn more at consentcultureinitiative.com.